0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of Those Who Can't Play Talk, the podcast. I am your host, Wayne. We have Chris here as co-host, as always. What's up, guys? And uh, we think we have a pretty good little show here uh, that we've put together for our third episode. going to have a new segment we're going to try out here in a little bit for our first little topic. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the national championship, uh, the biggest college football game of the year that just happened. And we're going to roll that into the NFL playoffs, what happened this weekend, and a brief look ahead at what's coming up this weekend for the divisional round. Before we get into all that, though, I'm going to give a little shout-out to my fantasy football league. Uh, We call ourselves The League, ironically. Real original, dude. I know. I didn't make it. That's uh, Jordy Morgan, if he's out there listening. So anybody that's friends with me on Facebook noticed that I changed my profile picture and in that picture, I'm wearing a toilet seat around my neck and it says last place. That is because your boy here got last place and had a pretty unfortunate season, mainly with injuries more than anything. Like I basically drafted the worst possible team when it came to injuries and ultimately it led to me getting last place. So that's where we're at with that. Dude,
1: fan, what is fantasy football? Stop caring. Week five, my team was hot garbage. So, yeah. I mean, I, I probably deserve a toilet seat around my neck for a Facebook picture, but I my team was awful. I can hook you up with that.
0: I can hook you awful. up with that.
1: Um, Speaking of awful, uh, today. So, one of the worst things is having to do some of these workouts at home by yourself. And unfortunately, my wife came down with covid so i'm having to stay away from the gym for a few days by My, myself personally i tested negative so we're you know she's kind of self-isolating here in the house but as far as working out goes workouts like today just absolutely it sucked it no,
0: really today's sucked. workout was just today's workout was terrible by itself uh i can't imagine having to do that thing by yourself because i did the 12 days of christmas by myself and that probably tops my list of least favorite workouts. Not because of, I mean, it was difficult, but not just because it was difficult, but the fact that I was there by myself, it was, yeah. it was so bad. There's nothing
1: worse than rolling solo and I'll be doing that for about a week. And uh, fortunately for us, our uh, coach at the gym's hooking us up with some open programming and some other like hero workouts and benchmark workouts, which we did today. And it, uh, it was filthy. It was very filthy Very, very Um, filthy So, that kind of leads us into our our first segment Which, you know, me and some of my close friends We always had a saying We would tell each other, don't be that guy So, if you guys are listening to the show This is kind of an homage to y'all So, CrossFit uh, it's an easy target, so don't come at me with "Oh, you must be in a cult." You know, I just like to think that I'm a part of a group of like-minded people that share the same values and mindset. Um, but you know, the way it kind of works for those of you that are unfamiliar with it, uh, you know, we have workouts that are programmed. It might be one or multiple movements that are, you know, for time, or you might have a number of rounds for time, or a rep scheme, um, or as many rounds as possible, and stuff like that. So. One of the pillars that we have in our gym is, you know, it's it's kind of an honor system. You're expected to be able to keep track of, keep track of your own reps. Um, I am notorious for not being able to math whenever oh, I work well, out. Is,
0: I, I can vouch for that. I have to count his reps when we do partner workouts.
1: It's just that much easier if I don't have to think whenever I'm working out. So I think a lot of people can attest to that, that last thing you want to do is try to count 50 reps, which is what we had to do today. So, or 10 different us, movements. Yes, 10 different movements. So, you, if you can count to 500, today was your day. Um, While working like out. Right. So, that leads us into our first segment, which is don't be that guy. And, um, like I said, I have been that guy before where I've miscounted. Um, it happens to the best of us, but sometimes there are a few of us that this happens to quite often and, and blatantly. Um, yeah, so I will. Uh, it affects me much less, and I have far less room to talk. So I will let my boy Wayne take it away on the first ever. Don't be that guy.
0: Yeah. So we we really like to turn this into a you got mossed type segment. So we're on. That's what our goal here is. But obviously, this said person, we're going to call him Gumby. Uh, him cheating his reps does not affect me any, mm-hmm. but it affects you a lot because we're sitting here talking about it <laughs> i mean other people egg it on and make it a lot worse than what it is but i have no idea what you're talking about bro oh i know exactly what i'm talking about here so said individual gumby has done a lot of workouts with me and depending on the type of workout sometimes they're close to me and our amount of work that we do or our finish time and then there are some that you know i just murder them You know, if it's a workout that is more my skill set that I'm good at running, things like that. But I've started noticing, I did a workout with them and I did all of the reps in the first round, took a little break before I started the second round and as the first round was going on, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Gumby take like four different breaks. Well, I didn't take a single one at all during the first round. So when I start my second round, He starts his second round at the same time and i'm in my head i'm thinking there's no way that gumby here did the full amount of work so i it it kind of bothered me at first and i started paying attention and um there's a lot of workouts that i think that has been logged into our system that there's just no way this dude is this close to me on some of these workouts and there's no way he's beating me on some of these workouts and it i mean it did it kind of chapped my ass a little bit i ain't gonna lie
1: a little bit yeah
0: yeah can tell. so this is,
1: this is just for all the listeners out there this has become a a weekly event um you know there will be one or two workouts that pops up and then i'll get a text that say oh there's no way i got beaten this workout so it's becoming a running joke yeah that, um yeah that's more know, of what like it is of said, gumby is
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's a running so. joke now. So, to I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to stay after into the next class for a little bit and count Gumby's reps for him. You know, talk, I really talk wanted about petty mayonnaise. Oh yeah, definitely petty. So I'm watching, and I forget the amount of reps uh, that we were doing on the on said workout. I think it was 5, 10, and twenty. Yeah, so, Yeah said person did four reps instead of five on the first movement went to the second movement did eight instead of ten and the third movement was it's a little bit harder to count those reps so i didn't count them but i watched three different rounds and each round only did eight eight reps of the 10 rep scheme so that right there just proved it to me and i felt satisfied and uh justified in my efforts so Uh, with the workout today your boy was feeling quite trashed when he got done like that workout wrecked me so bad so I'm staying after I'm kind of rolling out trying to loosen up uh, trying to keep from getting super sore is what I'm trying to do and obviously Gumby was there working out so I couldn't help myself but look at Gumby (laughs) while he's working out here because not looking at counting you're counting oh yes I was definitely counting but and I, I knew in my head and I, I mentioned it to chris you know this this workout was called filthy 50 and i told him uh over the weekend i'm already prepared for gumby to beat me on this filthy 50 because he's actually doing the filthy 40 while i'm doing the filthy 50 <laughs> i mean
1: I, I should have done the filthy 40
0: yeah we have this conversation in text it it is it is out there so, sure enough, uh, I don't count the first rep or the first movement because uh, I missed the beginning and I was talking to somebody about an ailment I'm having and whatnot. So, I catch him when he starts his second movement and I count 43 reps. And I know I did not miscount by seven. So, we go to the second one and I count 36 instead of 50. And I was just, I mean, I was like, I was a little bit perturbed. And, uh I was just like, you know what? I'm just not. I'm not in the mood for this. I'm. I'm feeling wrecked. I, I just worked my ass off in this workout, and I was extremely happy I did it. Rx'd all the way through. Uh, Is quite the workout to rx. So I was just like, you know what? I'm pretty happy with myself ha- having done that to the skill level I did. I'm just gonna leave before this really just puts me in bad mood. But obviously, I text Chris, and here we are talking about it. So yeah so the I mean, what i will say though about this though is when you're at the gym what's the point in cheating reps because the only person you're cheating here is yourself like you're you're at the gym to get better to get stronger to get fitter so cheating reps just it, it counteracts your whole goal of being there and getting better like do the work everybody else is doing the work nobody cares if you're the last person to get finished or not everybody cares if you're getting fitter or not so the whole goal of this story here is don't be that guy yes sir do not be that guy so anything you want to add to the don't be that guy
1: no like i said that's it's hard for me to say too much on this topic because i have been that guy before in the past um you know to the point. Usually, it's not malicious. It's a. Uh, it happens to every single person at some point in time. You're gonna miscount and stuff like that. Oh but. yeah, I
0: mean, there's times I'm notorious when we're doing wall balls that. I guess the 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 way I count is like I count when I get to like two syllable numbers. I count coming down as the first syllable and coming up as the second syllable. So in my head, it kind of has a rhythm to my body's movements. Well, for some reason every time I get to 16 and 17, I I get thrown off. Like I, I, it's like I do my 16th rep and then I'm like, wait, was that 15 or 16? Like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is. I have a mental block with the number 16 when it comes to counting my reps. So if that happens, you know what I do? I just say the hell with it. This next rep is going to be 16, whether the last one was 16 or not. And I'm sure there's been numerous times where I've done an extra rep because I lost count. So that's uh, that's really what you should be doing if you lose count, not saying, well, this is really hard. I'm going to do 43 instead of 50. So you're saying you shouldn't round up? Negative. I'll have to remember that and try not to round up ever again. I'll make sure you round <laughs> down next time I count your reps for you.
1: right. Well, like I said, that's something that whenever we find some funny things that pop up here and there and you know situations where whether it be in the gym or anything else in life where you shouldn't be that guy, just don't be
0: that guy. and so. we're we're gonna hopefully bring this segment back plenty of times. So uh, if you like it, definitely let us know and we'll continue it. Uh, let's roll on into our next topic. Um, the biggest football game in college football of the year, the national championship. Uh, not a real big surprise on who played in it Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, what's your thoughts on the game?
1: Alabama just that good. Um, I mean, they started, you know, just mentioning some of the awards that, you know, the guys had that were on the field at the time, and, you know, you had to quarterback of the year the Davey O'Brien award winner you had the Dope Walker award winner playing running back you had the,
0: the Heisman uh, winner
1: the Heisman trophy winner most outstanding player like every other the Bolitnikov award winner wide receiver um you had the the best offensive line of the year in college football you had the Remington award winner that he was hurt he didn't get to play he played like on the last snap but yeah um, that, that was, I mean that was it,
0: a pretty cool moment too
1: yeah, it was. Um, that was nice to see. I, I didn't realize that Nick Saban actually had a heart, so that was nice to see. Um, but, I mean, it's just, they're just way too good. I mean, defensively, um, number 58, Barmore, he lived in the backfield. Patrick Sertan playing cornerback pretty much shut down an entire half of the field. I mean, Olave ended up with, like, six catches for, like, you know, 50 yards or something like that, and most of it was just late in the game whenever they were having to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, early in the game, um, watching some of it, you know, it was, it was back and forth through, like, the first two quarters. Um, I thought there was a point, like, yeah, midway really, through the third.
0: It was really a quarter and a half there. Get it right. Quarter and a half. It,
1: at any rate, there was a point in the third quarter where Ohio State got the score within 14. And if they got a stop, it was, yeah, they had it within 14. I can't remember what the score was at the time.
0: I think the closest um, they
1: got it was set, uh, 16 or well, 17. At, at, any, at any point, like, they were a stop and a score away from getting the game being back to being close, if not tied. Um, but it, it was just apparent that they, they just didn't have an answer for Alabama's scheme on offense. And they did. I mean, Sarkeesian did a great job of – getting Devonte smith in space i mean there was at one point where ohio state had a miscommunication and they had like their middle linebacker trying to cover him on a seam route that went for a touchdown i mean yeah. you're talking the dude had a game's worth of stats at by a halftime time. Yeah. yeah and then the only reason why he didn't probably have 350 yards receiving is because he uh you know either broke his hand or broke his finger or something like that in the early early i think, early in I the think third it was quarter. his
0: finger because he had he come back on the field and had two fingers taped together and the rest of his hand was. Looked normal and was looked fairly mobile, so I think it was just is either his index or his middle finger. But yeah, to your point, he had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns at halftime. I mean, that is a complete game's worth of stats and a respectable game at that. And he did it at halftime. Right. I mean, I I believe that
1: was the most catches in a college football slash BCS game. Um, I want to say like the third most yards, tied for the most touchdowns. Which I mean i'll go ahead and just say hey i was the conversation we had last week about the heisman i mean he proved me wrong kid's really good i mean he had that great catch in the first half where he got both feet down laying out on the sideline yeah um he just he was just open all night i mean Ohio yeah, State they, they put definitely three schemed
0: dudes on. him the best possible way to get him in space and get him open and then when he was open they utilized him so uh Hats off to the Alabama coaching staff, Steve Sharkeesian, for having that game plan and using his weapons like that because they were extremely effective.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, any team that you would have run out there, it's tough because, I mean, a guy that, you know, he gets talked about but doesn't really get enough love, Najee Harris, I mean, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Dude scored 30 touchdowns this year. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that is insane. I mean, I, you know, playing in the SEC, which is, always vaunted for having great defenses and in you know a year like this year where they played a full sec schedule basically played everybody now i realize that some of the bottom dwelling teams in the sec the vanderbilts of the world and stuff like that aren't gonna you know they're not gonna put up much of a fight but still i mean like Najee harris he ran wild i mean to the point where he he essentially didn't play like in the fourth quarter because he didn't need to yeah um You know, they have a young freshman tight end. Last name's Billingsley. He started going crazy, like, late in the game, getting open, making some great catches and stuff like that. So, it's just – I mean, it's unfair whenever you can take – you know, you have – if you look at it, midway through the third quarter, you have Devontae Smith's out, Jalen Waddles running around on one foot, which, I mean, we can get into it, but he shouldn't have been out there. I mean, you're talking about a dude who's about to make millions of dollars here in a few months. Like, why even risk it, dude? I mean, I know that you want to play – respect for being tough and showing your heart and stuff like that but yeah there
0: was there's a lot of nfl players that tweeted out saying basically bashing uh nick saban for allowing him to be out there and bashing him or not necessarily bashing him but just being basically saying the same thing like you need to be you need to be thinking about your future and not this game like don't be out there don't don't risk further injury this is not a smart decision um me personally, if he wanted to be out there that bad, and if the medical staff deemed he was healthy, if he wants to go, then I don't, I, don't have, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, ultimately, I feel like that comes down to, like I said, him and the medical staff, and if they're both on the same page saying he's good to go, why not let him go?
1: Yeah, I just like I said, watching him run his very first route. I mean, the way he hobbled off the field, it was like, okay, he should be done. But I mean, back to the original point, it's like you take all those guys off the field, and the offense like didn't miss a beat. Like later in the game, it's just yeah, it's even, unfair when they reload with Jones, five star after five star.
0: Yeah, Mac Jones even. Uh, I don't remember what the injury was, but he he took some some rough hits, and he was he was definitely in pain there down the stretch late in the game, and he even he's played pretty well through those injuries like you could see him on the sidelines like they were going over the the pictures and everything and you could just tell he was he was hurting yeah but he, he had I mean, a phenomenal game um 36 to 45 uh we talked about his completion percentage last week he completed 80 percent of his passes last night for 464 yards and five touchdowns i mean dude yeah. had a very very impressive game yeah
1: no, and it kind of makes you wonder what his his ceiling is or even what his floor is in the NFL. I mean, you know, what kind of quarterback will he turn out to be? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, how I mean, much I think he's got a game, future. How much will I this mean, game
0: affect his draft stock? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think he's the type of guy that benefits from going in somewhere where maybe sit behind someone for a couple years.
0: And then, yeah, I, th- you know, I think a few mock drafts have showed him as like a late first round, maybe early second round pick to a team, you know, Uh, Honestly, I mean, a good situation would be maybe something like Indianapolis where you may still have Phillip Rivers for a year or two and he can sit behind him, uh, possibly Pittsburgh, sit behind Big Ben. You know, a situation like that I think would benefit him and he he has the potential to develop.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess one of the comparisons that has come up since this game ended is, you know, to to me – passing the eye test, so to speak. I mean, I I definitely, I wouldn't say that they're one of the greatest college football teams of all time. I think defensively there's, you know, maybe a few spots where they weren't like, you know, quite like the Alabama defenses of old. No, don't get me wrong, some great players, but, um, you know, people want to compare last year's LSU team to this year's Alabama team because these Alabama guys are making the claim that like they're the greatest college football team ever. Um, When you stack them up against last year's LSU team, people want to say, like, okay, well, LSU played, you know, Oklahoma and this team and that team and, you know, ran the table and all that. But, you know, I don't know. Like I said, definitely probably one of the best college offenses I've I've ever seen. Um, I'd put them right up there with, like, the 2001, 2002 Miami Hurricane teams. I mean, where you just had a litany of first-rounders on, you know, the offensive side of the ball. But, I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, comparison is the root of all evil. You know, everyone in their fan bases, and especially a fan base like LSU, um, you know, they're, they're always going to pull for their guys and stuff like that. But, I mean, I think you're kind of splitting hairs. I mean, you could probably say that on paper the 19 LSU National Championship team and the 2020 Alabama National Championship team are probably comparable across the board.
0: Um, yeah, and in a situation like that, it, it's, it's kind of like the... LeBron and Michael debate uh, it's just all you can do is look at it on paper but I mean you'll never you'll never have a adequate comparison because they can never play each other They'll, I mean it's just it's a talking point more than anything and it's it's about pride you know like you said yeah. LSU's fan base is going to pull for them Alabama's fan base is going to pull for them they want they want the bragging rights so yeah That's
1: definitely true. Um, I mean, now kind of moving on to like Nick Saban and his legacy, dynasty, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think that there's any debate. I mean, you can post up the meme with a dude sitting in the chair with his cup of coffee and says, change my mind, but he's the greatest college football coach of all time. I think he's pretty much cemented that legacy with his seventh national championship. Um, Now, I guess my question to you is, is it getting boring with Alabama just winning like this all the time. Like it doesn't – it's like I said, it's getting to the point, like we're watching the game last night. Like I'm not a fan of either of those two teams. Like that don't have a rooting interest in Alabama and Ohio State. Um, You know, personally, not two of my favorite teams. Um, I mean, if you want to go back to the 2002 National Championship when Ohio State beat Miami on the most bogus pass interference call of all time that will – still seriously make me irate if you really want to get into the topic um i've pretty much just had a huge disdain for ohio state since then but it to me it is a little bit boring i mean i I get it i mean it's it's fun to watch because it's like the challenge of you know can they be beat but at the same time it's like you know everything that everyone went through this year you know college football having all the issues with COVID and conferences deciding, are they going to play or they not going to play and all that. And then at the end of the day, it's like you get the same result. I mean, like it was fun for a while having some teams ranked really high, like the Cincinnati's and the BYU's and and stuff like that, thinking like, hey, maybe there's an outside chance that a mid-major team like that, you know, finds a way to get into the college football playoff. And then at the end of the day, you had just – typical college football blue bloods and it's just kind of like you know and and, and
0: that point it i mean to me it is a little bit boring um but it kind of adds to the point that i've made in some personal conversations of what does college football need to do better and everybody everybody's immediately their immediate answer is go to an 18 playoff but you can't you cannot convince me that if there was an 18 playoff this year that that national championship would have been any different I think the only thing about the top four that might would have changed is Notre Dame was sitting at four and A&M was sitting at five, so maybe A&M could have beat Notre Dame and then you'd had Alabama and A&M play for uh, their game instead of Alabama and Notre Dame. But other than that, I don't think it changes anything. Uh, There's no eight-ranked team that could have beat this Alabama team. Uh, I don't think there's a seventh-ranked team that could beat Clemson or or you know Ohio State at you know a sixth-ranked team. It's just not going to change anything. Like these teams are that much better than everybody else. And when it comes to this year, oh, I mean Alabama was that much better than Ohio State. I mean the the talent gap is that big in college football. If if you really want to make college football more competitive and not so boring. You gotta you gotta cut the amount of scholarships these big schools get, so some of these five star recruits start going to other programs. They start going to Oklahoma. They start going to Texas. They start going to, you know, some other SEC teams and ACC teams. Like that's how you're going to get it to be more competitive.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't disagree. I mean, you're as far as like the talent gap. you I mean, you're right. There's you know. It's it's kind of like, you know, college basketball. You know, rare, I think mean, it's happened once, you know, where a 16 seed has beat a number one seed. Now, obviously, the talent gap between a number one and a number 16 is huge. But even, like, you know, I think the eighth-ranked team this year would have been Cincinnati. And Cincinnati going up against Alabama, there would have been no different result. I mean, that game probably would have been over by halftime. And it's no disrespect to Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. He's done a great job there, and they've got a good program. Yeah. But, I mean, you just – it's right now they're just a, a juggernaut, you know. And like you said, there's such a talent gap that the only meaningful, real close matchup would have been Notre Dame and Alabama, or Notre Dame and A and M, excuse me. Um
0: But even yeah, with that, I, mean, I think I think Alabama still would have beat them, just like they beat Notre Dame.
1: Right. I mean, I guess the only argument you can make is it's hard for a team to play someone and then turn around and beat them again. I mean, that's that's just a, a talking point. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, you're right. It's just. The way it's turning out every year, it's, it's always nice to see some fresh blood in there. But anytime you get a new team, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I think a Washington got into the college football playoff. And then some schools like that, it just, it always turns out kind of the same way. And so until yeah. you start getting some of these teams like USC or Oregon or a Texas and, you know, Oklahoma's been in there a few times and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's just still going to be your traditional teams. So... You know, all in all, hey, hats off to college football for getting it in this year and and making it happen. Um, I'm glad we had a college football season. I've always gravitated myself more towards the college game because of the uncertainty of it. You know, players play for, you know, they're still playing for love of the game and try to make it to the next level and all that. So glad we got to see it. I'm sure next year, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll start getting some fans back because I love going to college football games when we get the opportunity. But, I mean, I I think – this, the what happened Alabama winning, I think, pretty much after the first couple weeks of the year, I don't think you would have said that anyone really had much of a chance anyway.
0: Now, before we move off the college football national championship, I do want to point out that uh, pre-game, uh, takes a pregame text conversation between you and I, you said give you Ohio State plus nine points, and I said I'll take Alabama, and that's a win for me. We're going to go ahead and chalk that up,
1: yeah. So, you know, I,
0: and I had I, a feeling.
1: Just a gut feeling that Ohio State was going to play them better than they did, and like through the first like quarter and a half, like you said, I thought maybe there was an outside shot, and then Alabama. Yeah. And doing I bring Alabama that up, things just ran them over.
0: I bring that up because we made a Facebook post and Instagram post with our picks for the NFL playoffs this weekend, and I had to take my victory with the national championship because uh, your boy here went three and three on his NFL picks, while you went an impressive five and one.
1: Thank you, sir. That's because uh, i Browns.
0: Yeah, the Browns
1: got me. I took. I literally picked the Browns straight out of spite for Juju Smith-Schuster. Like yeah. literally, just because if he wouldn't have said shit, I probably would have said, you know what, the Steelers are going to win. But Juju had to go and open his mouth, do his TikTok dancing on the logo thing, and it bit him in the ass. And I yeah. love it. Sometimes uh, you just shut up and play.
0: Yeah. Real quick shout out to our to our boy Alan Baxter. He was uh, one of the few that commented on. Uh, our post and gave his picks uh, a few other people. But uh, hopefully in the future, we can get a little bit more interaction on those, those topics and uh, interact with some of y'all on our social media pages. But let's jump right into the NFL playoffs. We had the Bills playing the Colts. Uh, we both had the Bills pick to win and I, I really wasn't super impressed with them. Uh, they kinda let the Colts hang around too long in that game. Uh, the Colts kind of bit themselves in the ass by going for a touchdown on fourth and, fourth and goal. They're late in the half. Uh, a lot of people have said they don't like that decision, take the field goal, take the three points, and in hindsight, they lost by three points, so theoretically the game could have been tied at that point. I don't really fault him for that decision. It's a it's a analytical thing. You you go for that, you make the touchdown, it gives your chances of winning, it boosts it up so much more than 3 points or and the gap between getting 3 points and getting nothing really doesn't substantially lower your chances of losing or winning at that point. So, I think it was the right call and you're also sitting with Indianapolis's head coach was a team staff member for Philadelphia in the Super Bowl with new England when they went forward on fourth down to get that touchdown before halftime. So he's looking at a similar situation that he's been in, in the past. And I don't, I'm not surprised he went for it there. Uh, you have any thoughts on that game? Yeah.
1: So obligated to say that we didn't really watch the games this weekend because we were both working. But, um, from what I did see, uh, I do agree like they did allow the Colts to hang around way more than they should. Uh, Now the Colts defensively um, have some very good players at all three levels and did a good job of kind of containing the Bills early. Now I will say obviously Josh Allen only I guess his second playoff start, you know, you're the number two seed, you're at home, you know, a lot of pressure comes with that. You know, so maybe chalk it up to having a little bit of jitters and putting some undue pressure on yourself instead of just going out and playing because they had just absolutely just steamrolled the last five or six. The only reason why they didn't win, like, their last seven games is from uh, Hale Murray. Yeah, Um,
0: if it had not been for that, they would have ended the season on, like, a 10-game win streak.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, to me, I just chalk it up to maybe first round, kind of jitters, um, maybe looking ahead a little bit, too. Um, that's a possibility. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's
0: definitely possible. I
1: think that, the, you know, give them another week, they'll write the ship. Um,
0: yeah, they're, they're and, a solid team. They have a really good coaching staff. I expect them to be a little bit more dialed in and focused uh, come the divisional round.
1: Yeah, and I, I expect them to probably play better this week. Um, but, yeah, from just what I just saw, like I said, they, you know, and obviously they lost one of the running backs. Um, yeah, he's done you know, for the like, playoffs. Yeah, the Colts, like I said, the Colts have a tough defense. So, not, you know, not really too concerned with the fact that they did get shut down a little bit. Now, we, when we talked last week on the podcast, we did say that we kind of saw this game as being close until midway through the third and then seeing the Bills kind of pull away. And that was starting to happen. And then, like you said, they kind of – allowed the Colts to to stay in the game so to me you know get your lead get up by 10 you know 14 points and you know keep it just hold it there you know you don't don't shit the bed and and lose your mind or anything like that just keep playing Bill's football and you know I think Bill's Mafia will be happy but all in all you know like I said it's just the Colts are a tough seven seed I mean they won 11 games you know they're not bad. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, next, we have the Rams and Seattle game. A game we both picked Seattle to win. That was your only blemish of the weekend. It was my first. Um, what was more impressive to you in this game? Was it? I mean, was this a game where you felt like the Rams went out and won this game, or did Seattle just go out and lose it? Uh, especially with and and along with that, how do you feel about Russell Wilson's cold finish after such a hot start to the season? I, you know
1: um, when you say that Seattle lost it I don't want to say that they lost the game but they just they just looked like out of sorts like yeah, they just Russell Wilson didn't have a really
0: clue Russell Wilson has really looked out of sorts I mean the majority of the you know the last four or five games of the season and and in the playoff game it's, it's just something was off there to me I mean I wonder if there's maybe an injury or uh Maybe there's an issue with some coaching staff members because they did let their or their offensive coordinator. I I saw it was reported he left the team due to, uh, I guess, philosophical differences. So I'm wondering if that maybe had something to do with it. Yeah, it's it's a possibility.
1: Like I said, they just didn't look right. I mean, there was something that you know we we know we we chronicled their struggles on defense in the last episode, and you know they had been playing better. A lot of young guys finally kind of rounding into to form late in the season. Um, But, yeah, it's just, like I said, watching it, it was like, you just kind of were wondering, like, what are these dudes doing? Yeah. Like, you know, DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey shut him down, which Jalen Ramsey shuts everybody down. But even then, like, Tyler Lockett is usually, like, really reliable to get open and and have a bunch of catches um, running the ball. I mean – you know Chris Carson, uh, Michael Hyde. You know the two Russell, solid running I think, backs. I think
0: Russell was the uh, leading rusher for the for the Seahawks that game too. Yeah,
1: and it, it, to see to me, it seems like any time that Russell Wilson has to lead the team in rushing during their games, they just don't play really well. So I think the thing oh. that just shocks me is how do you let first off you just you destroy their backup quarterback and you know he's he's like he looks like Ed Sheeran. And you got him being taken to the hospital in an ambulance because, you know, he doesn't know if he's at a concert or if he's, you know, playing an NFL football game. Um, Yeah, that's
0: that's your boy Jamal Adams, who uh, they gave up two first-round picks for.
1: Right. So, and then you bring in Jerry Goff, who essentially is throwing the football with four fingers and looks like atrocious throwing the ball. Yeah,
0: and you're still getting gouged on defense. It's just kind. Of, See, I'm just, just kind of sitting there thinking, what are you? What are you doing? This is why I said last week that I was on. I was kind of thinking that Seattle's defense was improving until that 49ers game in the finale. Uh, I mean, obviously, they, like I said, they didn't give up a lot of points in that finale, but they let a very injured uh, 49ers team move the ball on them all game pretty well, and it just it, same thing is what I saw this weekend uh, you had like we like we just said a quarterback with four fingers throwing the ball on you uh, he he played terrible I mean obviously he was have struggling throwing the ball but still was effective enough to get them into scoring position and he threw a touchdown late in the game and when in that situation Defensively, you should be thinking they're the Rams are going to be very one-sided and run the ball. So you should be able to prepare and stop that. And they didn't. They let them no. run the ball down their throat all game. Yeah, Cam Akers, man, they made him look like a fucking all-pro.
1: I yeah. mean, I know he's a talented kid. I mean, I, you know, I watched him play for three years at Florida State, and he was a five-star recruit. I think maybe the number one recruit coming out whenever he did. And, like, I was watching him in the first half, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, He was just carving a You should be putting nine dudes in the box. Like, I'm not worried about Ed Sheeran throwing the ball against me. I definitely wasn't worried about Jared Goff. I mean, I watched him throw one pass that he underthrew his receiver by, like, five yards, and the receiver still somehow managed to catch it. I mean, it it just – to me, like I said, you bring up that it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of a rift in the locker room between the coaching staff and stuff like that, and maybe we just – that we weren't as prepared for that game. How that happens in the NFL, and you're in the playoffs, and like this is where you, you know, you get your bread and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it just looked like Seattle was firing on zero cylinders. And like I said, they let the Rams and a thumbless Jared Goff beat them. I mean, hats off to Cam Akers; he looked great. He ran his ass off. I mean, yep. they basically just stamped U.S. Mail on him and just said, "Here, carry it the whole yep. way." Um, but yeah, Seattle had. It, to me, it's like it was just discombobulation all over the field. So, yep. yeah, I mean, like I said, people were picking the Rams. To me, it felt like the flavor of the week pick, but I just didn't – I couldn't get behind it given that, you know, they got a backup quarterback who led the All-American Football League or whatever the hell it was in touchdowns with a whopping 14. So, I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, so the Ram – or the, the Seahawks defensively, like, him at quarterback kind of negates their deficiency on defense. And if they can just move the ball, I mean – Aaron Donald, I I know he's got a little bit of an injury, and we'll see how that plays next week. But Aaron Donald was like – he was living in Russell Wilson's back pocket. I mean, essentially, like, you know, he he was in the backfield every play.
0: Yeah. Every single play. Russell Wilson was essentially who took him out of the game. He got a sack on him, and Russell Wilson landed on him, and that's when he went out of the game with his rib injury. Yeah, I'd be fucking tired,
1: too, of Aaron Donald sacking me every other play. I mean, you know, hats off to Russell Wilson saying, hey, I'm tired of this shit because the line wasn't stopping him. So, I guess he, no. Russ Dog had to take it into his own hands.
0: Yep. So, that's, a, that's an injury we'll discuss later on when we do our look ahead for next week. Uh, not much point in talking about the Bucks and the football team game. Uh, that game pretty much went how we expected. Uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks pulled that one out. Let me just uh, stop
1: you right there and say there is one thing to talk about in this game heineke i think his name's taylor heineke yeah props to that guy he was like three weeks ago was taking fucking college classes at old dominion Mm. and uh get signed to the practice squad because all of denver's quarterbacks you know they all went out with covid and stuff like that so you know washington's like oh shit we need to get somebody so we're gonna hire this guy and he goes out, and he he played, he played like he started well. all 16 games. Like, he looked – I mean, I don't want to say he looked great because some of his throws were a little bit high and stuff like that, but dude was, like, genuinely making plays. And then that rushing touchdown that he had, like, yeah. bro, that guy was all heart. Like, if someone then, doesn't sign him as a backup right. quarterback next year, like, you're dude, stupid. Dude, like,
0: separated his shoulder, went out of the game, and came back in and finished it. Like, definitely props to him. I think the only yeah. other thing worth mentioning in that game is – if Alex Smith would have started, I think the Bucs i mean, not the Bucks—would have had a lot tougher road. I think uh, the football team really could have made that game close, and because uh, I mean, they just—they were just lacking on offense early on. But uh, it's a shame Alex Smith couldn't play. Obviously, I, we both agree he's comeback player of the year. It'd have been awesome to see him get a another playoff start in his career before he hangs it up. Uh, yeah. Like, because rumors are he's heavily considering hanging it up after this season. Man, so he should
1: just go ahead and move on into coaching. I think he's probably the type of guy that you might see pop up as an offensive coordinator, a la uh, Byron Leftwich. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that he even came back and played after suffering a gruesome leg injury, and even like he doesn't look like he
0: walks and like moves too well. So you got to no. you know kind of wonder like what kind of no, I mean, future and, and does the, he have? But the fact that this leg injury almost killed him at one point in time. Uh, it's it's pretty impressive that he's made it all the way back to that level to even be on a football field, a professional football field. So yeah, definitely, it, mad props to him. Uh, the next game, Saints dominated the Bears. Not really worth talking about anything there. Yeah. The Bears, they are who we thought they were. Yes, Going back they to were. the old famous commercial there. Uh, what yeah, was that Coors a Light little... a commercial where they took that clip? Pretty sure nah, it was. Well,
1: that was that was. Denny Green, former Arizona Cardinals yeah. and Vikings coach, that I forgot who they were playing, but, you know, he slapped the microphone and said, if you want to crown them, crown them. They were who they thought they were. It's yeah, like, I think it you was your the Bears. ass Bears, dude. I think it was the it Bears. been. It might have been the Bears, yeah. But but uh, you know, yeah. oddly enough, yeah. That that game, I, I mean, the Saints
0: pretty much had, you know, no trouble yeah. Yeah, whatsoever. As a, as a Green Bay fan, the Bears are who I thought they were. So yeah. we'll um, – we'll, we won't even stew on that. We'll move right along. So Lamar Jackson finally got his first playoff win after two abysmal playoff performances, his first and second year in the league. They, they managed to play pretty well against Tennessee. Lamar Jackson obviously had a great game in the running game. Pass-wise, he didn't have a phenomenal game, which I don't really view him as a phenomenal passer of the ball. I think his a lot of his effectiveness relies on his ability to run and he has a great ability in the running game. Yeah. But uh, Baltimore won this
1: game strictly because they shut Derrick Henry down. Yeah. And there was a point in the game where he had – 40 yards or so. Yeah, he had like 12 carries for 29 yards, and he's fighting with Mike Vrabel on the sideline and stuff like that. Like, Baltimore basically told their cornerbacks, you are on an island – we are going to stop the run, and they stop the run. Like they legitimately, they they just shut Derrick Henry down. Yeah. So you know, and then they. they, they just... I think, like I said last year, this is this for them was a revenge game, getting beat yeah. with you know them being the number one seed and all that stuff. I mean, I, I I liked Baltimore to win this game. To me, it wasn't. I didn't feel like, hey, this is an upset or anything like that. Um, yeah, Lamar Jackson doesn't have to be a phenomenal passer, only because you have to respect the fact that. He's going to run, so essentially you're, you're playing with 10 guys on defense because you have to pretty much spy them all game, and it doesn't matter. There's no one fast enough on the field to, to stop them anyway. So, you know, at some point, as long as he's able to get some runs going and stuff like that, he kind of opens up the passing game for himself. Um, yeah. You know, J.K. Dobbins, he's been running the ball well too. So I don't, I don't expect that he has to be a phenomenal passer. I mean, if you're relying on Lamar Jackson to – you know, throw for 300 and four touchdowns and stuff like that. It usually doesn't work out too well for Baltimore. No. So,
0: and I think,
1: I mean, they played to their their um, strengths. And, like I said, for a team that wasn't great against the run during the season, I think they did a phenomenal job of just, like I said, they, they made Derrick Henry look like me running the ball.
0: Yeah. And to your point about the revenge game, it's also they also got their revenge because these two teams played in the regular season, and the Titans team went out to the Ravens logo pregame and kind of dancing around on it, doing like a their little huddle thing before the game starts. And I know. Uh, it really irked a lot of Baltimore players, and even uh, their head coach, Harbaugh, went out there and was, like, yelling at them, and Mike Vabral was out there and, you know, just basically shoot him off, like, you know, get the hell out of here kind of thing. And you definitely saw that when uh, Tannehill threw that interception late in the fourth, which pretty much sealed the game. You saw a lot of Baltimore players run out to the Tennessee logo and kind of stomp it and have their little moment on it. Um, I'm, not, I, I'm not really – I don't really know how I feel about that. I don't know how to put it in words. But I think you have to be smart enough not to go do that in the middle of a game because they did get a taunting penalty thrown on them. So, had the game not been locked up, you taking a 15-yard penalty like that is extremely unnecessary. Maybe I save can, that I for, can put it
1: into words for you. Uh, maybe. The fuck up and play. Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't understand this. Like, even – and we'll talk about it in a second. But even with, like, the whole juju thing, you know, you're, you're dancing on – people's logos pre-game, and you're putting it on TikTok, and, like, you, I mean, teams are only going to handle a certain amount of disrespect before that, like, it's, it's free motivation, like, why would you give your opponent a reason to want to be pissed off to have to play you, and the thing of it is, is, like, in the NFL, most players are motivated by one thing, and that's getting paid. I mean, it's obviously, it's your job. It's the same reason why we go to work every day. I mean, right. it's, it's a bonus if you love what you do, but I mean, you gotta earn a living, right? And so, whenever you give a guy motivation like beyond that, and you say like, you know, you still have a sense of pride, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, you go to to college and you have like this deep sense of pride you would think for like your school and stuff like that. And you're still, like I said earlier, you're playing for the majority of it's the love of the game. But in the NFL, you're taking grown ass dudes and you got this guy like dancing on your logo or like you said before the game, you're like huddling up on the logo and shit like that. Like, why would you provide bulletin board material for someone who wants to go out and beat you anyway? Yeah. And then you're gonna go and do that. It's like literally, if I was a head coach in NFL, like I'm, I'm just, guys, shut the fuck up and play. Yeah, like that's what it boils down to. Like I mean, you don't uh, have to go out there and do all this shit. Now, you know, I'm great. I'm happy that you know the NFL is kind of loosened the reins. I know it used to be called the no fun league, and they're allowing guys to go out and dance around. Some of the end zone celebrations are funny. Some of them are stupid. Um, yeah. It's nice to see that, like I said, the NFL kind of loosened the collar a little bit and said, like, hey, you know, we don't have to be so stiff all the time with some of this shit. But, I mean, there's some things that, like, you just you just don't do. I mean, you got to yeah. at least before the game respect your opponent, say all the cliche euphemisms and, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, you respect your opponent, you know, don't say the, the Browns is the Browns and stuff like that. Like I said, you just don't provide, especially in the playoffs or going into the playoffs, don't give a team – any yeah. extra reason to want to wanna beat you.
0: Yeah, I, I have my opinions on that. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, I want to hit one more thing for, on the Baltimore game before we leave it, before we jump into all that other stuff. And Ravens fans, you're probably not going to like hearing this. Uh, and if you don't like it, I really don't care. Uh, these are proving proven numbers. But Lamar Jackson started his playoff career 0-2. And uh, the number that I've found... I come across said that there's been 27 or 28 NFL quarterbacks that started their playoff careers 0 and 2, and only two of those won Super Bowls in their career. And ironically, they're both brothers, Eli and Peyton Manning. Now, that's obviously not me saying that I think Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying, his, based off history and this particular stat, you know lamar's chances of winning the super bowl based off this stat is unlikely so don't shoot the messenger go shoot your quarterback and
1: (laughs) it's a it's a it's a a fun stat nonetheless i mean no yeah both the mannings are going to be in the hall of fame you don't come at me right now on the eli manning debate dude won two super bowls i mean it's kind of like there's a benchmark for quarterbacks in the hall lamar's
0: definitely talented enough to win a super bowl um They've got the. I think they have a good enough coaching staff to win a Super Bowl in Baltimore. They just have to have the right talent on both sides of the ball and really put it all together. So that's not us saying they won't win a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, you mentioned it already, Juju, with his trash talk of the Browns. Basically, just call it
1: bad juju. It's a it's a free yeah, pun.
0: Yeah, it's it, bad juju. it was it was so much bad juju. He he come out and basically said. He's looking forward to playing the Browns. They're going to be the same old Browns he plays every year. The Browns he, is the Browns. He, I think, he referred to them as uh, just faceless, faceless players out there. Said, yeah, they have a couple good players, but in the end, the Browns is the Browns. So if you've seen, um, if you've seen interviews of Browns players or any kind of audio clip of the Browns player saying the Browns is the Browns, they are mocking Juju for his trash talk beforehand and then he got his ass beat uh not only that they i saw several clips in the highlights i saw of the browns doing the one tiktok dance that juju apparently loves to do apparently his favorite one they're on the sidelines of the game doing the dance i think it's corvette corvette or some shit like that they're on the sidelines doing it And they're in the process of beating his ass at the same time. Like, the Browns were so petty with their revenge of what Juju said, and they had every right to be. Yeah, I mean,
1: as far as the game goes, I mean, obviously, you couldn't have had any more of a just disastrous start yeah, first play then of the game. What the Steelers had. Yeah, snap goes over your head, turns into a touchdown, a couple of interceptions, uh, Nick Chubb running it down your throat. Yeah, it was like I mean, it, 28 nothing. 28 nothing
0: before the first quarter was over. Most points scored by a single team in a single quarter in a playoff game ever. Uh, it was just, it was a wrap from the get go. So, all that being said,
1: Yeah, I mean, after the first quarter, all the Browns had to do was just not be the Browns, and they were going to win the game. But watching it, there was a glimmer of hope there in the fourth quarter that the Steelers, like, had a legit chance to come back. Yeah. Like, there was a legit chance until Ben threw, like, his 19th interception in the game.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there was a time where – Pittsburgh's defense was handling the Browns offense pretty well, shutting them down, and I kept telling a buddy of mine, "Man, they need to do a they need to do a running back screen. Like Pittsburgh's bringing the pressure. They need to do a running back screen. If they can get the ball behind that blitz to a running back, they're going to pick up a huge chunk of yards." And I told him this on two separate drives, like back to back, told him, "Man, they need to do a running back screen." Lo and behold, what do they call? A running back screen. And what happens? Chubb takes it to the house and basically ended the game with it and i was just like man i have been saying it i was so happy that they finally called it and that it worked well i guess that makes you nostradamus but yeah i mean yeah. like so they they
1: look great early they had all the momentum and it just if you're not a believer in like momentum in sports that's i'm telling you right now that's it's real because yeah, going into half, I think, what was it, like, 35-10 to 10 or 35-17, to 17 going into half or something yeah, like I that. I think
0: it was 35-7 or something like that, maybe 10.
1: You know, and the fact that the game even ended it was remotely as close as it did just tells you that, you know, the re- there was a momentum shift there at one point. And, you know, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger still, he's a great quarterback, Hall of Famer and all that, you know, and he wasn't just going to go out and, and lay down or anything, especially in what looked like it was his last game. But yeah. still, if you're, if you're the Browns, you have to be a little bit concerned that, like, you couldn't stop Big Ben very well. I mean, obviously, the, they were down, and they just started – they abandoned the run, which, I mean, the Steelers abandoned the run, I think, in week two of the season. Um, but they just totally abandoned the run, started throwing it around the yard. And, you know, not to say that that exposed anything with the Browns, but, I mean, guess what Kansas City's going to do next week? They're going to throw it around the yard. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that the, the Browns, I mean, uh, Jarvis Landry kind of said it best, like, they're the game's over with, they're going to stop talking about it, they're not going to, like, pull the Steelers, and it's, you know, they're not going to yeah and focus even, on last week.
0: Not only did Juju uh, talk trash before the game, but even after the game, Chase Claypool was on, like, a live stream and basically said... Um, The Browns are going to get clapped next week, so it's all good. You know, it don't really matter that they beat us. Nah, dog, it does matter that they beat y'all because. Yeah, your ass is at the house. Exactly. Your ass is at the house. They're going to Kansas City with a chance to play for the AFC Championship. And if they play as well rounded of a game as they did against Pittsburgh, they can make that game interesting. Um, But before we get off this topic, Uh, I kind of have a different feeling about the whole bulletin board material, as it's like, as you know, people like to refer to it. If you're at that point in the season, if 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 somebody making a comment motivates you enough to play that much better, I don't think you were doing your job preparing in the first place. Um, I I just, if I mean, maybe it might be a little bit different for the Browns because obviously they haven't been in the playoffs in 18 years. But most of your teams that have been there consistently, a little comment like that is really not going to make that much of a difference. I feel like it makes more of a distraction for your own team because the media is going to be talking about it and they're going to be asking teammates and you about it and all this stuff. I don't I'm not a big believer in bulletin board material, essentially, but that's just me.
1: I and mean, this is where I'll disagree with you because I mean the media asking you about it on a day to day basis. I mean it's kind of like going back to our "don't be that guy." I mean this is definitely a "don't be that guy" thing. Like, yeah, just, you, you, like, don't wanna,
0: you don't want to you don't want to put put that extra spotlight on your team and then they lose and it's just like, oh shit, I said this beforehand that they're just basically the Browns. They're going to show up and do what they do and we're going to beat them and then they beat your ass. Like, yeah, that you don't want to put yourself or your team in that situation. But, like I said, I don't really feel that that makes that much of a difference at that level. And,
1: like I said, that's where I'll disagree because it's not that you shouldn't be motivated to go out and play and that, like, if you need the extra motivation that, like, you weren't doing your job. All I'm saying is, is whenever you give someone extra motivation to go out and beat you yeah they might play that much better I mean the way I look at it
0: is like if you're in the gym and you're going for a new PR lift and you just walk up to the bar nonchalant all happy and whatnot, and you just get under it and try it chances are you may not get it but if you make yourself mad you hype yourself up and get you know your blood flowing yeah you have a lot better chance of hitting that PR I'll look at it as kind of like that like maybe in, in the moment in the game, like you see Juju getting the ball and it's like hypes you up that much more. Like, oh, this dude's been talking trash and I'm fixing to get to lay into him. In the moment, I feel like it might can add a little bit to your performance, but just overall preparation, I don't see it making that big of a difference. So I'll just,
1: I'll just throw this out there. So you, you mentioned that you're walking up to the bar and you're about to try to hit a PR. Now imagine as you're getting yourself hyped up, Gumby walks up to you and says... <laughs> You ain't going to hit this lift. You're a jackass. To quote Happy Gilmore, do you think that's going to fire you up a little bit more to hit that PR so you well, can talk like shit I, back or well, do you think yeah, like, like, "Oh, you, said, he you're, said I'm going to uh, miss this list?
0: Well, yeah, like I said, in the heat of the moment, you're going to be a little bit more hyped due to that. So, yes, I do agree on that, but just for like I'm saying for overall preparation and going into the game, I don't think it. I don't think it they prepared any better because of those comments than now. Well, we we
1: both know they didn't prepare at all because their fucking team facility was closed all week because they had COVID, which also makes this the win uh, the, even that much more yeah. unbelievable. It's like you lost to a team that didn't
0: get to fucking practice. Yeah, their first so, practice was yeah. on Friday afternoon, and the game was Sunday night. So, yeah, I'm
1: sure it was a walkthrough in helmets and shorts. So it's like yeah. the Steelers, like I said, so, Juju
0: bad. That was the like first said, time bad the, Juju. Yeah, that was the first time the Browns won in Pittsburgh since like 2004. First time they made the playoffs since like 03. It's first time they won a playoff game since maybe 94 or 93. I forget the year. And then it's the first time they've won a road playoff game since the 60s. Like, you let the Browns pull off so much shit that they have not done in forever. And you talk shit before they did it, saying they are nobodies, basically. So, Juju. You got what
1: you deserve, Pittsburgh.
0: Juju, you weren't ready. You were not ready. So, uh, that pretty much wraps up the whole NFL playoffs topics. Uh, in our next episode, we'll go more in-depth in next week's games. For the divisional round, we're looking at the Rams traveling to the Packers, the Bucks traveling to the Saints, the Browns traveling to the Chiefs, and the Ravens traveling to the Bills. So, like I said, yeah. we'll get more in-depth in that later on. And any closing thoughts? No.
1: Um, you know, just – don't be that guy. Count your reps.
0: That's yeah. right. And look out for us on social media. Getting uh, Get involved with us. Interact with us. We encourage it. Uh, we want to interact with y'all. And as always, we appreciate the followers. We appreciate the feedback. And everybody have a good week.
1: Yeah, we'll hit you in
0: the next one.